0: Hey there, Brandon Harvey here. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to the sponsor of this week's episode. Who gives a crap? Okay, really quick, here's the story. So my wife and I have started the process of slowly replacing the normal things we regularly buy with brands and products that are ethically made, free of toxins, and make a difference in one way or another. We did this with our toothpaste, our household cleaners, and our bedding. But the thing that we're most excited about is our toilet paper. And I'm not kidding. That's where Who Gives a Crap comes in. Who Gives a Crap makes high quality toilet paper that's 100% recycled or 100% bamboo so that you can quit wiping with trees. (laughs) Uh, Their toilet paper is delivered straight to your house, which makes things so easy. And even better, they donate 50% of their profits to help build toilets for those in need. Who Gives a Crap is offering Sounds Good listeners $10 off their first order with the promo code Sounds Good. All one word, Sounds Good. Honestly, it's kind of a no-brainer. To get toilet paper delivered to your door, make a difference in the world, and to help support this podcast, just go to whogivesacrap.org slash sounds good and use the discount code soundsgood. One more time, that is who gives a crap.org slash sounds good with the discount code sounds good. Who gives a crap? Good for your bum and great for the world. All right, now here comes the show. What I admire most in an artist is the ability to be transparent about where you've come from the singers and musicians who have made their humble beginnings and personal journeys accessible to others is an incredible gift that binds us together. My guest, R. Lamar, has done this so well, and I deeply admire him for that. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with his music, you are in for a treat. R&B singer and classical guitarist Reggie Williams Jr. never dreamed that his side musical project, R. Lamar, would blow up. But it did in a huge and surprising way. At the release of his 2016 single, Frustrated, racking up over 37 million streams on Spotify to date, his music has become instantly recognizable and familiar to countless people. From his humble beginnings in Bradenton, Florida, currently playing at major festivals like Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza, R. Lamar's hope has always been to give back to music what he believes it gave to him, which was a place of refuge, belonging, and release ever since his complicated youth. It's also notable to mention that his music has been featured and praised by major media outlets like Billboard and Rolling Stone. I am Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. The weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. And before we get started, I need to warn y'all because our Lamar basically just started speaking brilliance as soon as I hit the record button while i was still giving him some context on what the show is about and so we just decided to start the podcast in the middle of kind of my little intro to him so uh i love it so much he's a musical genius with a heart and a story and i hope it leaves you in feeling inspired and less alone okay here's the conversation We fully believe that, you know, we connect more with each other's scars than each other's successes yeah. uh, with, you know, the journeys that got us to where we are than actually where we are. Yeah. And so, I think,
1: I mean, I believe I think the scars can
0: help contextualize the success. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's I love seeing people who are successful and I love yeah. when people are create like their craft is so good. Yeah. But it, <laughs> it sometimes can feel meaningless if there's not a story behind it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. I definitely relate to uh, people who have had similar happenings and similar pasts and whatnot um, to mine, who I see doing things that I deem as, you know, positive or productive Mm or something that I might want to emulate. Yeah. Um, And that is why I think it's important to continue telling those stories so that you can kind of facilitate that same effect in somebody yeah. else, hopefully through whatever.
0: Uh, I feel like you're sharing the you're heat and we're not even started yet. Uh-huh. You, can't, you can't be like <laughs> okay. dishing all this out. You got to say all that again. I didn't know we weren't started. I, I mean, you hit the record button. I thought we, we were going. I don't you know, know. we could we just start now. I like this. This is a great way to start off. Yeah, I'm, I'm always on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting because it's not an easy thing to yeah. talk about. You know the scars behind your successes is yeah, way hard. easier to brag. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> easy to say, check out this cool thing I did. And it it's so hard to say. Here's the thing that sucked, even if the yeah. thing wasn't your fault. Yeah, it's either a sense of shame or a sense of guilt or a sense of yeah something that keeps you from sharing that. But it's yeah, I find that it's valuable, like you said, and and helpful for other people.
1: There's a lot of things. I mean, that can get in the way of sharing certain parts of the truth of uh, a matter. I think just growing up, I just was like, oh, well, like, you know, growing up where I did. Everybody went through similar things. Where, was just, where did you was grow up? In Bradenton in Florida. Okay. You know. Um, what were those things? Just, you know, like when I was in middle school, kids were like wild dealing. And really, was, yeah, like gangs and like all that craziness. I was, I was chubby and too scared at all of that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just wanted to play with my Yu-Gi-Oh cards and be left alone, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I mean, you just end up getting involved in uh things that are just bad for yeah. you, you know, and bad for the environment that you're in. But all of your friends are also kind of sucked into that environment too, just because we live there, you know? So it sort of becomes a sense, there's like a sense of normalcy to all that, like, yeah, you know, you know homeboy got shot last week, like, all right, I mean that's just what happens here, you know what I'm saying? Totally. And that's an interesting thing because I've talked to other people about this sort of thing, and they think like, "Oh, you're not from like where people generally think of as like a violent area." No, you know I when saying?
0: when I hear Florida at the end of something, I just kind of think like, "Oh, it, you were surrounded yeah. by old people, tourists," <laughs> <True. laughs> which is also true.
1: <laughs> Whole state, Um it's just like colleges and college kids and like retirees. <laughs> but there's also that stuff so and it was just like a strange income disparity cuz the neighboring the sister city is sarasota Got and sarasota it. is a place that a lot of people have heard of because it has like Venice beach down near it and maria island a lot of affluence down there and then the neighboring city bradenton where i came i came up was a lot like poorer and you know what i'm saying the people that couldn't afford to live in sarasota yeah. Yeah, you all these kind of wild things just happen in the streets, and like you just get exposed to all this stuff, and you begin to believe like, oh, that's normal life. You know, that's yeah. how it is for everybody. Until you start to see the affluence just across the bridge. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, you almost so it's weird. You see that context, and all of a sudden you're mm-hmm. like, oh crap! Like this is there's a disparity here. There's, yeah. a, there's a difference. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I think is a big problem for people who never experience any sort of that in their life, who who live their entire lives in. You know the Sarasotas of the world, and they yeah. never head over to the sister city because it would be so easy to judge somebody by being like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did this or this or this, or they yeah. were in that environment." But the reality is, they could be the best person in that town. Yeah. They, could, but they're just their context is rough. Their context that they yeah. were raised in is difficult. Yeah,
1: and there's a lot of things you got to do when you're just trying to raise a family. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. the odds are against you. And 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 the on the flip side, like I know those cats from Sarasota and I grew up with all them the kids that are really really affluent really really rich and um, from the outside in it looks like they have everything you know what I'm saying but that can be a sense of isolation and loneliness and stuff because you just can't, you can't relate to people you know what I'm saying like oh, yeah. uh, Frank Ocean has a really great song called Super Rich Kids and if you're yep. a Frank Ocean yep. fan today's actually the anniversary of the six year anniversary of the release of Channel Orange if you couldn't <laughs> tell I'm a fan it's July 10th that Record was released July 10th, 2012. Anyway.
0: That's amazing.
1: (laughs) But, um, yeah, he's got a great song called Super Rich Kids about it. And it's just about how, like, that affluence and um, the perception that you have everything can be this thing that is isolating and makes you feel wrong for feeling, not feeling completely, like, elated all the time about having Mm. whatever people feel, consider, whatever society considers to be, Wealth and affluence and like blah blah blah. Because I mean, we just we definitely have a big problem. I think I've said this on Twitter before, and it's definitely in my drafts. If not, <laughs> we've we all got problem. drafts that are <laughs> yeah that are just fire tweets, and I haven't gotten them off yet. But <laughs> um, it just I mean, particularly in in America, and I mean, this is definitely a place where this. The, excuse me. This is definitely always present in places where there is a lot of wealth disparity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have this idea that. Being that richness is righteousness, that being wealthy is being equals being a good person. Yeah. And like, or that, or from other people, like if you're wealthy, then you can't be a good person. You know what I'm saying? Because you've never had to struggle. Yeah. And I say that in totally. never had to struggle in air quotes. Like there's never there's a lot
0: of morality tied to money Wealth. on both ends of the spectrum. Totally, Where totally. it really has nothing to, it's correlation, not causation.
1: Yep, association is not causation. Shout out to the economics rule. Let's go. <laughs> oh, shout out to in my middle life. school
0: and high school teachers. <laughs> another and I then all the podcasts it, yeah. that kept me thinking about that ever since.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's really funny. I, I'm definitely a big old nerd that listens to, like, finance podcasts. Yeah, me too, time. me too.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. So growing up, though, you stayed mostly out of trouble, partly because you <laughs> were chubby. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah. what? who else was kind of influencing you in your life then? What was your family like?
1: Uh, family. My parents divorced when I was five, so okay. it's been very, um, it's been very different. I had a talk with a friend of mine, a couple friends of mine, at a, at a just to hang out recently. My friend um, Ellery, who goes by Ezza, she's another artist. Great, she's very cool. And so, so the guy Dylan Southwell goes by Trove, and another friend of mine, um, Jeff, who is a singer songwriter as well. They all had very like. Kind of typical Southern Christian upbringing. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot, a lot of people did. And I didn't. Like I just wasn't involved in the church or anything like that. my Family wasn't involved really. My grand, we used to, I did start singing in the church when I was nine because my grandmother was involved, to like the Methodist church that she'd gone Got to it. for her whole life. Yeah. You know what I'm
0: saying? And it's weird but when it's, you moved to Nashville and you weren't because yeah. Nashville is – there's this study that said that Nashville is the most churched city in the entire churched, country. Churched, yeah. So there's totally. more people who go to church than anywhere else.
1: And there's more – I believe there's more churches for like capita.
0: I, I believe it. There's I, <laughs> When I go on a jog in the morning, I go past like 12. <laughs> at least at least 10. <laughs> and yeah. I can't run that far.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in a mile. like Yeah, so that really sort of informs – you know, for better or for worse, that informs a lot of people's opinions about the world and a lot of people's like upbringing and, and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I was just like missing all of that. So it's interesting. This is the talk that I was that I was just referencing was that we we're talking about how how much that forms a lot of people's worldview. And for me, I just kind of didn't have that. And so they are really um, curious, I guess, about Views in in context of, of certain things because there's a, there's definitely a lot of like, you know, there's supposedly this separation from church and state, but there's definitely a lot of like Christian dogma and doctrine in just absorbed into yeah. U.S. In, yeah, into it's our very society,
0: much a, a, like a part <clears throat> of the culture,
1: super super part of a culture. So I definitely was exposed to those things, but never like going to church every until yeah. I moved in with my my father remarried when we were like fourteen. And when I was fourteen, and then moved in with him and my stepmother at the time, who was like adamant, adamant churchgoer. I was there like six times a week, <laughs> uh, maybe five. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, parents divorced when I was when I was very young. Um, I was the only boy, so that was kind of difficult as uh, well. How
0: many sisters did you have?
1: Two older sisters. Okay. I'm the youngest, and that's so what was me and my two sisters and my mother. And uh, apparently for a time when I was really, really young, me and my sister Ariana, we were very close. But the oldest, older sister, Tatiana, it was like eight years older than me. Was it. She's still alive. She is eight <laughs> years older than me. And it's like, you know, when I was in second grade, she was in high school, so she like wasn't trying to hang out with me. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was just a natural divide there. But it was strange because, you know, my father had uh, sort of always been created to me as being this like sort of antagonistic figure and i was just like him so it became this weird like bad like you remind me of this thing that we're supposed to dislike you know categorically you know that i think that that ended up creating a lot a lot of like insecurity especially like male insecurity and like um and then you swing hard the other way with like toxic masculinity things that at the time I didn't know that's what that's what it was nobody (laughs) did really it's things that were yeah shout out to wokeness in the last like five years I know (laughs) but yeah there was there was a lot of that stuff had a lot of like anger issues and stuff when I was a kid some therapy from when I was like fifth no kindergarten ish all the way through grade school Hmm. because I was like you know getting fights and like yeah just wild things or whatever but simultaneously uh I think I was in second grade first or second grade and a teacher they had me take a gifted test right oh okay and it's this thing it's just like just aptitude or whatever yeah. and if you show you know for those of you who are listening who may not know if you show a higher aptitude let me put you in these advanced courses as uh, a wee little youngin <laughs> and I did really well on those in cor- those uh, those tests and, and went up and was taken and would be bussed, like, two or three times a week all throughout up to high school to a separate school where they, like, kept in all the gifted kids.
0: Oh, wow. And then,
1: but at the same time, I was told I have these, like, anger management issues and need to be fixed, and, like, I was stutteringly really bad and, like, couldn't pronounce things well, and so the, like, weird... Simultaneous life, I guess, the weird kind of dichotomy was like people are telling you your brain is exceptional, but also that your brain doesn't work correctly. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I think it that like created this weird and difficult like confidence. It's like too nuanced for you to
0: understand as a kid. Yeah, it's like totally. you're good and bad is almost what exactly. you're hearing.
1: And that's and that's how you react to it as a kid. It was strange, and it's definitely been a process of uh figuring out systems, I guess, for myself. I guess that's kind of the way my brain works. Yeah. But um, making things uh, understandable and, like, operable for me. Yeah.
0: Because um, yeah, you didn't have that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like yeah. you didn't have that family structure. I didn't have a you traditional have that, family structure. No. You didn't have that Sorry. faith structure. Totally, no. You didn't have... I mean, I guess you're it sounds like you got moved to essentially a better school structure. Mm.
1: um well, we were going we were busting back and forth, so okay, like so. I'd still be in the regular school, <laughs> and then some days out of the week, they'd take us over to the gift.
0: yeah, course. so that's kind of funny. Yeah. and so it it's interesting that now you're saying, okay, how can I create this structure because I yeah. I didn't have it earlier.
1: yeah, it's a a pretty astute read of that, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, uh, growing up, that was that, you know, a bunch of couple divorces, we moved a whole whole bunch.
0: Um, were father you
1: do- remarried a couple times. What were you gonna say?
0: Were you Were you doing music at all
1: early on? Not at the time. Okay. No, I mean, uh, not creating any music. I think. I mean, I was definitely close to music because I remember early, earlier on in life, my mother playing like Sade and Anita Baker and like all that kind <laughs> of stuff. Um, way, way early. It's funny. I I think I put up a tweet the other day, yesterday, where I was like, I got home. We just got back from this Lewis the child. In Big Wild uh, tour, which was really really cool, called Camp Nowhere, Texas, and we uh, just got back. And you know, you get back off off tour. I don't know if you've been in bands and stuff. You've I have not. I, oh people, really? they,
0: I was. Let me tell you. <clears> okay. Earlier Hurt today, I was. <laughs> earlier today, I was singing one uh-huh. of your songs just like around the house because oh, cool. I knew I was Thanks. like, yeah. Well, it gets worse. Uh, and my wife goes, "What are you doing? <laughs> Whose man is this?" And she's like, w- "Like what?" And I was like, I'm singing. First of all, Uh she's like, "What are you singing?" And I'm Uh like, "Oh, it's Martin. And she's like, "I know what that song sounds like. This is not anything (laughs) like that." But what you're doing?
1: Not, not the one, my guy. Not the one. Yeah. So,
0: so I have never been in a band.
1: Keeping your feet on the ground. (laughs) I I need it so bad. Nah, bro, that ain't it, bro. (laughs) Um, uh,
0: anyway so but I, yeah we'll i don't just, know the life but you just well, got back from tour
1: getting back for me the next day for me is usually filled with like errands and like you yep. know like returning maybe rented equipment or like cleaning the car because the band doesn't clean the car <laughs> and you know gassing up and like doing stuff like that and i got home and my room is usually a mess because i have a pretty small room um and i have to move a bunch of stuff around to get to the car and that next day, getting off tours, usually uh, doing those errands, and one of them is cleaning the house. So I'm like <laughs> cleaning the cleaning the house. I've got like sandalwood incense burning, Anita Baker is on the background, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm my mother. Oh my god, that's <laughs> what amazing. What have I done? <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, so that stuff really takes me back to my uh, my young youth. And being like nine and ten ish, I was got into the choir a little bit because my mother wanted me to do it. I hated it at the time, but I kind of regret that. I wish I had stuck with it, but you know, I am who I am.
0: You've got like a great voice when you were a kid. Did you have that same? (laughs) What can I say? Come on this podcast every week. (laughs) Yeah, please do. You're welcome back. Um, Did you kind of notice your talent then, or was that something that you had to find later?
1: I don't think it's a thing where, at least in my Recollection of growing up, memory can be fallible, but in fact, it's proven to be quite fallible.
0: But at least we should have a whole conversation about these things that are just like <laughs> memory
1: and economics yeah, because this, I, is, this <laughs> is
0: speaking my language. All this like you want to you
1: want to lose some followers? I'll bore them. I'll bore you. Right like basically, have like a Netflix crime show with all this. Yeah, stuff. let's get it. I'm I think I'm kidding, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think growing up, really, I don't think I really perceived of it as like a talent because no one tells you growing up that like okay you have the you have permission to be talented you can be talented yeah. it's just like this is a thing you do and if you're doing it great and if people like it great whatever but if people don't whatever you do the next thing um so i did would get like solos and like they'd ask me to sing the lead part or whatever but that was just kind of like okay you're just sort of playing this position in this kind of group effort of being in a choir. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I ever really thought of it was like, whoa, I'm talented or amazing. Blah, blah. I guess I just never, like, growing up, This this was an important realization, I think, in college. But growing up, I never really saw a ton of people, specifically people like me, brown people, brown men specifically, who were doing the things that I thought that I was either good at or wanted to continue doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, for music, for me, the stuff I was listening to was, like, Old Soul on r and the stuff that my mother would let us listen to. Mm-hmm. But then I got to middle school and started listening to, like, Linkin Park and, like, bands <laughs> and wanting to be in the Mars Volta so bad. That's you know? so funny. But I didn't see any dudes um uh do anything like that with the exception of, like, Thomas Pridgen, who was the mm-hmm. drummer for the Mars Volta, or, like, Howard from uh Killswitch Engage, or, like... I can't even think of anything else it's, off top. It's a short you know list. So for, for In my recollection at the time, it was a short list. Because
0: you weren't looking, <laughs> you basically had the R- R&B, mm-hmm. you're looking at bands, you weren't looking at rap. Yeah,
1: I wasn't, yeah, I didn't think I was a rapper. Well, no, I mean, we enjoyed rap. My sister had a big thing. It was a weird thing in my household because my sister, Tupac, was a big deal in my household, all right? Because my oldest, older sister, Tatiana, she was out. Um, she was, like, listening to that stuff when, like, Ambitions of the Riders and stuff like that was out. And, you know, uh, you hear all the all the wild stuff like California Love and, you know what I'm saying, I Get Around and, like, all that stuff. And my mother hears that stuff and she's like, all of this is garbage. She never <laughs> heard, like, Brenda Got a Baby, uh, Dear Mama, uh, that song that's, like, uh, Changes, like, that stuff, mm. the beautiful, like, poetry that, that and, and, and that Tupac hat. But anyway, again, way, way off topic. But, <laughs> no, it's on topic. It's music. Yeah. But that's just kind of part of the hodgepodge and the mosaic of whatever I was listening to at the time. At the time, I just didn't whatever happened i didn't understand that those people got there through like obviously talent but like work ethic and hard work and dedication yeah is also a big big part of it and i didn't understand i just thought you were just like you know you were just the john mayors of the world and and those people they're just (laughs) born with this thing and we are Plebeians who are set to receive their mana. You know what I'm saying? And we are never <laughs> allowed to cross that threshold. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that John Mayer worked to school for a bunch and like practiced like 13 hours a day and like all that. All yeah, that stuff. yeah. So you, I discovered that later on because
0: you don't you don't see the the path that they take. Yes, so you the assume music that they're is
1: very good at that. They're very good at making things look like they came out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, very, even very like Justin Bieber has. Mm-hmm. One of the most public like stories yeah. of his rise, but the reality yeah. is like even before he got discovered, like he was playing like seven instruments before. There was something that got, got him to YouTube. that like,
1: point of discovery. Absolutely,
0: it was it was mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And yeah, nobody is is an overnight success.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Two Chainz says it took me ten years to become an overnight success. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah and I mean it's that Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand <laughs> hours rule. Oh, of, yeah. you know putting in that time, putting in that energy, and mm-hmm. that takes ten thousand hours is so long. It's a lot. I don't know if I've done ten thousand hours of anything yeah. except for eating, breathing, and <laughs> except for being else. alive. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and even then, bear, we are, we could there's a difference between just doing something for ten thousand hours and doing it well for ten thousand exactly. hours. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, that was part of that musical journey. I didn't start I didn't get a guitar until I was in high school. And my guitar teacher at the time shout out to teachers who are really, really underrated in the society. Mm-hmm. But um his name was Doug Seff. He was a guitar teacher at Manchester School for the Arts and uh, I guess he noticed that I had like an ecumen for uh, guitar or at least classical guitar at the time which I was what I was studying and he was like you need to get a guitar to practice at home because your music teachers can tell like look dude you're not practicing it's just like any other teacher that's like you winged this and did not study you know what I'm saying yeah. you like can get through it but that's just a bad way to live your life like, totally but um, so he was like you gotta get a guitar and I ended up Getting a job. I was 14. I believe getting a job as a busboy at this place called Blue Water Gorilla and Tavern and saved up a little bit of money. Bought a Yamaha CG 101 for $212 and got my thing. Got it. Got it. Started getting it going. And simultaneously at the time, I was in high school, Bunch of girls didn't like me. Had all these feelings I couldn't express, so I just started writing sappy songs about it.
0: That's amazing. Yeah,
1: that's how it starts.
0: I think. <laughs> I think one of the best things about people who aren't cool in high school is that they <laughs> end up being the people who are cool after high school. And I hope so. There's got to
1: be some pro. There's got to be some correlation because I've talked to some of my other buddies from. It was an art school. It was a charter school. Okay, and we did like we You had to do one of each of the arts, and that's how I got into music. Got it. Was I had to do? I was forced to take a piece of. Uh, 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 some sort of music. And I chose guitar because that was what I saw bands playing. Again, my whole journey has been completely serendipitous. So many touch points of, like, right place, right time. Yeah. But that is one of them. I also had to do drawing, had to do theater, a theater art, and then, like, a physical art, which I took Taekwondo because my school did that, which was tight. That's actually amazing. (laughs) Yeah. But I just know some people, like a friend of mine, Caitlin Burns, who is an artist, um visual artist she does like lenticular images and gifs and stuff for like bonnaroo and like all these cool brands awesome. and my friend Justin Oaksford who animates uh for Halo and Bungie and my other friend uh Andrew Theophilopoulos, who has the most greek name ever but <laughs> also and animates uh stuff for like Warcraft and blah 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 we were not the popular we were not the kids That's amazing like, we were not the the f- first pick for you know none yeah. of us had like a or like the senior quotables or anything <laughs> like that you know what i'm saying but we ended up sticking with it. and a lot of those cats who were are like doing dentistry or doing other things yeah. not to you know disparage those yeah but i mean we
0: all need dentists
1: yeah absolutely not to disparage those other careers but they're just doing other things when it's just interesting that at the time that everybody betted on would have bet on them to continue and have careers yeah in the arts fields you know that doesn't make anybody better than or worse than but it's just an interesting correlation
0: it's also got to help that uh, that your heart was getting broken again and again, and you got to write yeah. love songs that were like <laughs> from a place of heartbreak, rather than like everybody loves me. See, I'm Everything not gonna sing. Everything is great,
1: but and I'm nice, and everybody loves me. Yeah, I'm so well-adjusted, and
0: never had problems in my life. Yeah, I'd screen that on Spotify. <laughs> I'm gonna upload that. Like, right oh now. wow, great!
1: This is bonus track. <laughs> <boring>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay, so that's so interesting. Mm. You start playing guitar. Yes. You come out of high school. Mm-hmm. What What happens right out of high school?
1: Out of high school, I went back to uh, Bradenton, and it was MCC at the time, Manatee Community College, and went back there and started s- s- doing more music stuff because, you know, back in Florida... I don't know if y'all know this but in Florida you can do the two and two thing where you go to a community college for two years and uh, is an automatic acceptance into a four-year yeah, university a lot of
0: people stick around in Florida because of yeah that, which so is went home. you know they're trying to keep people around and yeah. instead of just old people
1: keep playing young folks yeah <laughs> went home did that um was writing songs and still doing the thing. I was definitely simultaneously throughout college, just zipping forward to college because I want to, you know, get through my backstory as quick as possible. So you can talk about less stuff we're doing now and like, you know, my, our thoughts and emotions and whatnot. But, Simultaneously throughout all throughout high school, I was studying music in school, but I was also writing on the side and like playing music and touring. And because my manager, Chris Martinago now has been a, a good friend of mine since we were both like 16.
0: Oh, really? That's yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: we've known each other for like over 10 years and he was in bands. And the cool thing about only being able to afford an acoustic at the time was that it was easy for me to open for them for those bands because they would have like mm. a whole SUV or blah, blah, blah. I could just hop in with my backpack and my guitar. Um, so I did that like a bunch, 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 bunch. For a bunch of bands, and you um, were doing so
0: you were doing acoustic uh-huh. guitar. I call it my best voice. Like,
1: yes, I call it my best John Mayer impression, basically. That's it. <laughs> um, but y'all can just you can just search Reginald's music, and that stuff also comes up. All those those pieces of music are still because they're just all still parts of me. You yeah, I'm so they're all they're out there. I didn't like delete them or anything.
0: So when did the but, kind of transition begin towards? Well,
1: Arlamar, first of all, yeah. where
0: did the name Arlamar come from?
1: Arlemar is just my name. It's just Reginald Lamar. That's my Lamar's my middle name.
0: Oh, there we go. I was going to ask if
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was
0: going to ask if people ever just call you like Mr. Lamar.
1: Uh sometimes uh and sometimes interviewers will call me R. I'm
0: like, oh. <laughs> like you just, didn't check my Wikipedia like a page
1: thing? Yeah, no, that's cool. But um it's interesting to see how people interpret it. This is sort of for another day, I think, but yeah, the name is the name is like a timeline for me. All that information is readily abundant uh on the internet though. So uh, yeah, the, the kind of transition to uh, R. Lamar was... R. Lamar, interestingly enough, just started as a side project. Because okay. I was in um, college at the time, and we were studying commercial music. Commercial music, for those of you who may not know, is like, um, at least at FSU, was studying... Uh, things, programs like Ableton and Cubase and uh, Pro Tools and recording and music software and all that stuff in production, and so we were just making beats and doing that stuff for projects for school
0: with the yeah. emphasis on it being digital instead of bringing in yeah a bunch of bands and
1: and, and so. also yeah and I mean and the overlap and doing both because like even in Arlamar stuff I still play guitar I yeah. still you know there's live drums and whatnot. So, I got involved with a studio at the time, Ethnic Kids, and they helped me produce some of the first the first four tracks that I was going to put out as R. Lamar, because I was just going to put it out on SoundCloud, have it be like a side project yep. or whatever, and keep doing the Reggie Williams music thing as well. Um, just because, you know, you get, as a person who makes things, you get interested in a lot of things. I want to try a lot of things, and I just wanted to try it. Yeah. And so, it's smart
0: to try it under another name, a moniker, yeah. yeah. Also,
1: just, just to keep things separated, you know, yeah. keep them, but... Now that Offspring song is playing in my head. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that happened. But the first song we put out, Show Me, got picked up by Spotify when it was New Music Tuesday, which was like a couple years back. Yeah. And that was a big like – and we started getting like label offers and – all this business stuff, like, hey, can you come play the school night in LA? Can you come do the mom and pop showcase and can you come to Europe? Can you like do this? And I was like, I don't even have a band. I didn't even, I I didn't even think anybody was going to respond that quickly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or at all, you know? But it was just like a labor of love. It was dope. Like, it was amazing, but it was confusing. (laughs) Yeah. It was definitely like, oh, oh, uh, I I can go play this live. Oh, how am I going to do that? Uh, You know, it definitely presented a lot of like, oh, wow, we got a lot of holes in this game. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) we got to figure that out. Uh, But it was definitely validating to be like, oh, cool. People like dig this, you know, people really want to help bolster this thing involved. So continue putting out music. And um, here I am today.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, man. I'm glad you do. I mean, I I'm
1: giving the SparkNotes version, but this great. because all no. of that, the whole story is just when we do podcasts, when we do something unique with you, that whole story is all out there. You know what I'm saying? Y'all yeah. can Google me.
0: Honestly, you know? that no, that was bad. I mean, I feel like I have Googled you, and yeah. I felt like a lot of that was still so fresh. It was really interesting. All right, word. All right, um, word. I'm so glad we got we got some of that backstory. Yes, uh, you know, bringing it up to speed. I saw you at Bonnaroo a few weeks uh, word. ago, and word. Uh, and I wasn't even planning on going Which to Bonnaroo, bonkers. but I just ended up there, and word. I. I I think your set was the first or second I saw, Word. dude. It was amazing. Thank was so you, like, man, you. Thank you. <laughs> you I have you a blog about that. You can it don't. so well. And, <laughs>
1: thank you. Thanks. Uh, That's that was that was wild. That was that was amazing. Cause, you, you know had, you just grow up. At least as a musician, you grow up seeing festivals and it's presented yeah. to you as like it's this Valhalla. It's this thing, you know. And then you actually get to go. I mean, there's there's ups and downs to it because it's usually like mad hot and like very disorganized, but. Yep. Um, at least in my experience, a lot of them have been. But as we're playing these, like, cooler and, like, nicer festivals like um, Bonnaroo, um, it's, like, you get there and just, like, everything goes where it needs to be. And, like, you're in a dressing room and, like, they fill your writer. What? <laughs> They're bringing me food just for playing? What? <laughs> you know? And the stage was big and beautiful. And, like, what I and said on stage. the crowd was big. Yeah. But, uh, crowd was wild. crowd was wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I said on stage was, like, two years ago, I was in that crowd at that tent Mm. watching Miguel play. And at the This Tent, as well, I played at the That Tent. Which
0: is a, I, I just I hate the it. names yeah, of their it's annoying. tents. it's annoying. This tent, yeah, it's that dumb. tent, which, which stage, tent, who what's... Tent, where, yeah, oh it's my dumb.
1: It's, it's not cute.
0: It's, it's not it's cute. It's like cute for a minute,
1: and then <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm confused. Fifteen year, It's 15 or so years ago. I think it's like the 15th or 16th anniversary of of oh, Bonnaroo, no. and like 15 or 16 years ago when like whatever hippies that put this festival on were like, oh, that's going to slay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it just became like a tradition. It's like, yep. guys tradition is not good sometimes <laughs> but
0: anyway you're on stage yes
1: on stage and um i was saying that two years ago i was at that specific stage watching miguel play man and just wishing like man i wish i could be there like i want to do that you know i feel like i could do that just give me a shot and then the shot came and, and we ended up headlining that day basically so that's beautiful and yeah
0: where does that drive come from for you like what's the thing that Because your goal isn't really like, I want to just stand on stage. Yes. I want to play Bonnaroo and then I quit. Yeah. Yeah,
1: totally. Um,
0: You're like, no, seriously. It is. For
1: me, yeah, I'm actually, I'm already retired. I'm unemployed. Uh, But for me, it's like, I would like to stand, I've said this a bunch of times to Chris, who's known me forever. I just want to give back to music what it gave to me. You know, I didn't have a ton of friends growing up i spent and also just my family and and sisters and mother where the way we like grew up at home we're just very quiet we just stayed in our rooms all day you know and i've just been like reading or like so i just wasn't very socialized i think and i'm still like kind of learning that like i need to go and like hang out with my friends and like talk to them and stuff like that when in my brain it's like if i haven't told you i don't like you then i like you and we're friends exactly i'm the same way but you know you gotta like be there for people and meet them and try to be empathetic and understand that other people you know are going through things and but for me music was i felt like the first place i found like a true refuge i know that's like cliche but things are cliche for a reason because they continue to 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 prove that they have an element of truth i think and seriously like that was such a big deal for me discovering um, music and also another thing was the music that i liked at the time it just wasn't cool for i guess maybe me to like because stained was like my favorite band (laughs) it's been a while like but just that song warm safe place off of break the cycle i remember the first time i heard vocal harmony and being like yo that is dope that is so sick and even though i was in choirs and all that stuff for some reason it didn't ring with me until i heard it there yeah just how plaintively he sings and just the things he sings about and whatnot i was just like this guy gets me you know and then circus survive came was a big deal for me paramore was a huge deal for me Mm. um coheed and cambria was a big deal for me so just these guys and 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 women and bands and artists creating these things that became a refuge for me i was lucky enough to continue to have like started playing when i was young and just like trying to emulate them and then a friend of mine erica dorson was like you need to play a show because these songs you're you're writing and whatnot we like them and they, we think they can do things for people so played my first show and just kept getting asked you know this is gonna sound wild cocky but it's true is that people just kept asking me to continue playing shows i never yeah. booked any shows for myself wow. for like years because kids just kept asking me to play and i guess there was something that they felt or saw or whatever from what i was doing so i kept doing it and kept doing it and then you realize at a certain point that it's bigger than you these kids like these people Kids is diminutive, but it's like a it's definitely like a thing that I just said yep. from the warp scene. I guess. I but you same. know what I mean. But just these people, these humans, these like individuals at whatever stage in their life n- might need something that you have to say. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's uh what it's do you a think responsible that to is? become uh, what do you think it is that I have to say that they may need? Is yeah. you asking. Yeah. I don't know if that's um, a weird
0: thing for you to answer, but No,
1: it's not. I mean, but I don't think it's up to me to determine Yeah. Specifically, what each individual is going to need. I think it's up to me to understand that there's a responsibility in the position that I'm in, Mm. and even though I'm not like a, you know, I'm not like I'm not do a leap or something. I'm not like taking over the super world. But like there are people, yeah, there was people. But just saying, like there are people that um, are listening at this point and are very tied to it in the same, possibly in the same ways that I was tied to the things that I was really tied to, and just trying to. Uh, put myself in that position you have to understand that it is that is it is a responsibility and you have to do your best to be like truthful and honest and something that regardless of how dark it may be or how like straight up like it's just power pop light on the other side it, it, it can be you just got to be honest about that thing so that when you're up there performing it, you're not lying, you know? Oh, and I think good. that might've be, that might be a thing that you may have connected with when we were at the Bonnaroo show. Yeah. It was just like, I was just, I was pumped and smiling and tripping and like having a, an amazing time. Not like tripping on, on acid or anything, but like <laughs> just tripping. Cause I was like, yo, this is wild. Yeah, you know, you're feeling it. Um, I was feeling it. I was feeling myself, honestly. Cause it's just like, who would have thought a kid like me from brain to, could come do this? You know yeah. what I'm saying? Through whatever serendipitous wild amount of events, because
0: you're just telling the truth. here.
1: Yeah, I'm here. I'm telling my truth, and I guess people are connecting with that. And it is also part of my truth that I believe that like you gotta you gotta try to kind of pay it forward and say those things like, you guys could one day do this too. And hopefully, like the Nashville scene actually had had a write up about it and. They said, like, hopefully, don't be surprised if in two years or something like that, you see some kid and he's on stage and he was like, I saw R. Lamar, and that inspired me to to get up there and do my thing, which would be the ultimate treat for me, you know.
0: it's got goosebumps.
1: That would be wild, right? I'd probably cry, be straight up. (laughs) Like, but so I think one thing that keep definitely keeps me going, one is is knowing that it's bigger than me. Two, um, is understanding that for me, I think empathy is a really, really important and like under taught thing in our society really. And I would hope that I'm writing from a position that is like, not only trying to express my opinions and express the things that I'm saying, but trying to create situations where you can, you, the listener, the Royal you, you know what I mean? Can feel like I have been there or I feel this or like, Somebody else understands me in the way that Stained or My Chemical yeah. kind of Romance or Thrice or Circus Survivor or whatever understood me. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to complete the cycle. I'm just trying to be a part of the continuum and do my part so that the next generation can go do their part. Not like I'm like 80. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like I'm on my like <laughs> El- Elton John's going on his last tour. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm on my last tour or something. But I've still got plenty, plenty of music in me and plenty, plenty of tour and plenty of that stuff to to continue doing. But I definitely don't think it's it's lost on me, the responsibility that you know this position gives you.
0: Yeah, man. Do you feel like there's something in particular that inspired, I guess maybe even a better question is, is there someone in particular that inspired that mm. responsibility? You know, that, that mm. you learned that from example, because, I mean, you totally could have learned it on your own, but yeah. I know, I think I had somebody teach me that. Like I yeah. had somebody literally sit down and be like, this is what you do when you have a talent. You use it to to give back. You use it to to pay it forward. You use it to come full circle.
1: Yeah, um, I was uh, I'm hard headed, so <laughs> um, but again, serendipitously, uh, I'm lucky to have a lot of teachers in my life, literal teachers and and other people who just end up teaching you things, who showed me uh, sort of certain ways of living. And, and, and again, everybody's growing, everybody's changing, everybody's trying to get more woke with every day, you know what I'm saying? But I'm hard-headed. Sometimes i got to be taught a couple times. <laughs> uh, I know that about myself. Um, but I had a teacher, um, a Taekwondo teacher, and he was um, very, very good to us and really, really like a, a strong, just a strong figure in my life. Unfortunately, he passed away. But I uh, remember uh, in his class, and I was, I guess I had an acumen for Taekwondo. I had a physical kind of thing. And I would uh, be able to, you know, spar and do well with the kids that were higher levels than me and whatnot. And I do remember one time, again, this was since it's simultaneously with all the like, anger issues and stuff I had growing up. And you give this kid this, like, power and this, like, oh, you're, like, good at this thing. And it's, like, physically, potentially physically harming other people. So there's this kid and another kid, and I'll leave names out, but <laughs> this kid... And he ran up on me in the lunchroom and I straight, like, I ran up on him and I kicked him really super hard. And he, like, fell over and, like, really hurt himself. And I'm not proud of it, but it is the truth. It is what I did. And he ran up on me and I, like, did that to him. And since I found out, he took me aside and he was like, you... Basically, it was like, you have an ability and you have a strength and a certain thing. And what you need to understand is that any ability can be as destructive as it is positive. You can mm. use that for good and for as, as like much of a superhero wind up as this sounds like. <laughs> but it's true. You can use this as for positive things as as if you just see it that way and understand and be like kind of sober about the idea that like this could be a destructive impulse and those Im- destructive impulses that you have and he was also like if you ever do anything like that again i'll never teach you again <laughs> but um i also had a guitar teacher doug seth who was like no you're good at this and he was like one of the first people to be like you're good at this like zoom out and think about it and and really take it seriously because if you want to do it you have to take it seriously um chris Marnago, my homeboy he believed in me before I believed in me because I wasn't taught that I was supposed to believe in me. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, no, don't stop. Just keep doing the thing and I'll keep helping you post like MySpace bulletins and stuff like that. Um, a friend of mine, David Mant, who is younger than me actually. And that was the thing that I was definitely really like a jerk about and being pretentious about, it, I think, was that you can't learn anything from anybody younger than you. What are you, what are you talking about? And he was a, a leader of uh, an a cappella group I was in in, in college. He was a president and uh i was an upperclassman he was a younger classman he was just just the way that he led and understood everybody in the the group is 14 dudes and everybody's emotional everybody's at the different times everybody's got finals everybody's like blah 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 this acapella thing is an uh, extracurricular but it's very important to us and then just the way he understood everybody's personality and really tried to empathize and really tried to like lead at the group was like wow this is incredible and it was also like this dude's mm. like three years younger than me too yeah. Wow. that's amazing that's you know incredible. and so that's a that was a huge lesson i think in humility was like oh you can like learn something from everybody if you choose to see it that way or if you put yourself in the way to, to do that another thing growing up again super homophobic in our in our i was just raised that way you know what i'm saying we we're just ready to be you know you got to be this hyper masculine type a especially when you're like a young black man in yeah. america especially because yeah. everybody thinks you're violent anyway you know growing up so you learn to do those sorts of things your environment teaches you that you're supposed to be like that way and to be gay was to be weak or to be wrong or whatever and so I was exposed in that same group. I was exposed in close proximity because I had not make gay friends back home. So um, also, you know, part of the church was like, that was the church that I ended up going to. It was like a big deal where yeah. there was like a gay person in the congregation. It was like excommunicated. It was a big ugly thing. Oh, wow. So getting to college and being in that acapella group with like four or five gay dudes, I was just like, oh, these guys. You know what I'm saying? I just had these awful these like terrible ugly thoughts and like these these assumptions about them but then i realized like i because just this just basing on basing off the idea that like if you're gay you can't be a functioning member of society or a good person even you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying and that yeah. was what i was taught totally so meeting them and just realizing like oh like dan is the guy that manages all of our finances he like <laughs> gets all of the travel does all the logistics and it's like perfect um Alex was the guy who would teach us all of our choreo and, like, create all the choreo and uh, arrange some of the songs with our with David Mann and with Skipper Stradman, who was the, um, the guy who did all the music and choreo. And that was just that exposure, again, that was a teaching moment yeah. to be able to teach me, like, oh, all that stuff that I had learned about these people being bad people just because they, like, date other men or even are on the spectrum and, like, mm-hmm. date women and date men or just fall in love with a person because that's what love is. Um and not their like genitalia or whatever. Um, it was a process of unlearning that like, oh, these guys are just regular people yeah. and they just want to be loved, but they're also people who are contributing functioning members of society, you know, yeah. and, and shouldn't be looked down upon and that kind of thing. Learning that learning that with them, it helps you zoom out and totally like, learn out a lot about stuff. About And that's when you get into, like, intersectionality and, like, feminism and yeah. things like that. And oh, women so just want to be respected. And yeah, black people just want to be respected. And black lives do matter. And, like, all, you know, things like that. Totally.
0: It's so encouraging to kind of realize, hey, none of us are born woke. And yeah. even the wokest people yeah. have to go through that journey to, yeah. to kind of unpack things. And, you know, I think about the last, you know, few years or even the last, you know, 10 years of my life and mm-hmm. think about, All of the things that I have changed my opinion on, whether it's because I met someone who I, you know, I'd never met that kind of person before. Yeah. Or I heard a story or I, you know, I had an experience and all these things that just change. And when you're able to acknowledge, oh, this is something that changed in me, I was wrong. It just, it opens you up to be wrong in more and more places. But then when you do that, you realize like it opens you up to be more and more right or more and more yeah. accepting or at least to discover more to discover more, stuff, more. exactly you know? there's so much more to discover and
1: my friend alex used to say um my fear decreases proportionate to the to the gaining of knowledge That's something something similar Ooh, i like that yeah my fear of the unknown decreases uh, in proportion to gaining more knowledge something to that effect sorry alex i'm i'm blowing it here but <laughs> But yeah, um, so I, I was—I've been very, very lucky. I've had a lot of a lot of people to to learn from and to watch them grow simultaneously, mm. um, along with myself. So yeah,
0: man, that's beautiful.
1: Thank you. What are the? Again, oh my gosh! Wow, <laughs> he's so complimentary. This guy.
0: What are the things that uh, that you're looking forward to right now? What are the things you're excited about?
1: Oh man, I'm excited about a lot. Um, writing a record, um, so I'm very pumped about that. Good. There's a lot of great music that's out uh, uh, now that I'm. Uh, always excited about. We're playing a lot more shows later this year. Um, uh, next biggest thing is Lollapalooza, which oh, is another big fight, fe- Right,
0: right. Lollapalooza. I wish is y'all so in cool. Podcastland could have seen his face just then, <laughs> because he was like, "Yo, it's, I, just, <laughs> I feel like that's the best festival because yeah. you don't have to camp. <laughs> ah, you can just stay in a yo, hotel in Chicago, fam, and
1: camping is
0: garbage. <laughs> Sorry,
1: not my vibe. Or not, I mean, you know, I'm do down think?
0: with camping. I don't want to camp in, a, in the middle of
1: a party. You know what I mean? Like, also fair. Yes, I don't want to be surrounded
0: fair. by just like a rager. With like,
1: like 60,000 strangers. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like,
0: like, I'm going to go camp where it's quiet. That's yeah. what camping is I'm for. I'm going to drive
1: back to my house and take a shower and yeah. then come back again. But, um, um, that's great, Yeah, man. playing Palooza, Very, very excited about that. Um, and just releasing new music throughout the course of the year. Just working Good. on it and trying to push forward and continue learning and growing and whatnot. You know?
0: Good. Do you feel like... You know, how long do you think you'll be R. Lamar versus Reggie versus another project?
1: Is it really a versus, though? You know? No. I don't think it's a versus. I Good. feel, and at least in my perception of it, I mean, it, they're all, that's why they're all kind of also a subtle hint there is that they're all permutations of my name. It's like, mm. they're all different aspects of me. Every person is like a multifaceted person. This podcast is not. You are a podcaster. You're a husband. You are you're a business owner. Everybody has all these different facets to themselves. And if you can honestly uh, lean into creating something through that outlet, why stop it? You know yeah, what i yeah. I mean, I get that it's confusing as far as marketing and blah, 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 nah. blah, blah, blah. But um, if people... Who knows? You know what I'm saying? I put out a beat or something, just like a beat tape or something, and people react to that just as strongly as they do the LMR stuff. Okay, cool. I'm producing now. Great. Or I just do that stuff for for fun on my own, and which I do, and it leads into me producing more for my records or for whatever or you know, some of the acoustic guitar stuff um, that I was doing way, way, way then lends into me having skills or at least like a beginning introductory ability with the electric guitar, which is what I use in my R Lamar stuff. All these skills compound. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. nothing I'm so passionate about. Like we should be developing skills. Yes. And you should be developing skills and falling in love with the process of developing those skills. Because I think it's like I think it's maybe not a missed opportunity. That's that's the wrong word I was thinking, but it's um I think the target is 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 missed when you set your eyes on like you need to get to a certain point where you uh, achieve a certain accolade or yeah. award or whatever because that's the kind of stuff is like, okay, well, like even if you get that like that thing that you're told is like the paramount, well, what do you do after that thing? You know, yeah. it was a hard lesson for me to learn that like once you get. Like for me, it's been like um, Rolling Stone. I've been featured in Rolling Stone a couple times. Again, not just toot my horn, but this is for an example. No, it's huge. Um, and it is huge. It's a thing. It's a thing where like people of all generations, like my mother and my homeboy that writes with me, you know, people people that aren't connected, um, recognize that that's a context, like a context creating thing. That's a thing that's like, okay, this is legitimizing. But then you got to not stop. Like you got to keep doing stuff, you know? Yeah. So once you get that accolade, cool. The credits don't roll. You don't just ride off into the sunset. You know what I'm saying? And everything happens ever, happily ever after. You have to continue doing things. So I think focusing your your energy and your ideas and your like effort and um, quality control, whatever that sense of it is for you Um On the creation of the thing, whatever the thing is, is where your efforts will uh, be well spent, I think. Because there will never not be another thing you can make, you know?
0: Yeah. Man, that's good. That's Uh, real good. (laughs) I like that. I'm just Um,
1: rambling. I'm just going. These are things I think about in my shower.
0: This is so good. Well, consider uh, this a podcast shower. Shower time. (laughs) Shower time. Shower time with Brandon. Brandon. (laughs) I'll let you do the theme songs, and I'll just.
1: (laughs) Shower time.
0: This is
1: somebody's going to be listening to this, and they're like morning commute, and be like, "What the hell
0: am I listening to?" (laughs) Yeah, they'll they'll just like turn it on in the middle for some reason. Yeah. Ugh, this has been such a good conversation. Indeed. Maybe I just kind of want to yeah. wrap this up by, mm. you know, you offering yeah. just a, a piece of advice for people who, you know, are hearing your story. They're mm. inspired. They're encouraged. They want to take a step forward into, yeah. you know, not only creating something that they're proud of based off of their skills and abilities, but but using that to kind of come full circle and, and give back to the people who gave back to them. Yeah. Um, what's kind of a, a practical action step you would offer those people?
1: Oh man, that is that is quite a question. Um I think first off, try really hard to develop a sense of like empathy, I think. Just even outside of whatever you're creating or whatever your output is. Yeah. You know, whatever medium, it doesn't matter what creative medium it is because you can be a mechanic as much as you can be a painter. And still be in service, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because artists and creatives, and I consider anything where you have to make anything where you have to make decisions is creative. Yeah. In my, you know, you're boiling it really way down. So try to be empathetic in your decision making process. One, two, don't lie. You know, there's no point because if you lie and you're successful with lie, you got to keep it up. And if you don't lie and people really connect to that, then cool. It's real. And that's a real thing. And that's a thing something that so much of us are looking for, especially like in our 20s. It's just like something real, something we can like really feel and relate to. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like I had another little thing that I think about. Wow, this would be so hard. Whoever's listening to this, and if you have any like ideas or questions for me, tweet me. And I'll like – I'll go down and I'll, I'll go through them because this is like a really – heady thing and the thing that I often I think about a lot and it's like it's one of those things where like do you ever get the get the thing when somebody's like yo what'd you do last weekend and you're like uh blank oh I wasn't dead I know I did something (laughs) like I did something but it's gone but I think those those two those two things are definitely things that I think about a lot yeah um but again if anybody has any tidbits or or want to ask me any specific questions, just tweet me in reference this podcast and tweet me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anything else? If you don't mention my name in the tweet, <laughs> he's not answering it. He's fired. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, this has been good. Yeah, this has I been love good. that we dove straight into yeah, things. Yeah, and I love that we we <laughs> we came full circle. We went all the way around. This is yeah, good. You've guided
1: you got you were guiding me. I appreciate it. This Thank is good. You, all producer in, over all here. in the shower. It. Yeah. Oh dear. <clears throat> you don't hear the? Uh, okay, I'm done there.
0: <laughs> what a great conversation! That was so fun. Uh, is it Reggie the best? Uh, <laughs> I love what he said about music being a responsibility. He's modeled how to remain truthful to what you make, regardless of how light or dark it may be. And I deeply admire that kind of transparency and his sense of empathy and his focus on truth telling. We can all benefit from embodying that kind of honesty in our daily lives and the work that we do. And y'all, you have to check out his music. Go to wherever you listen to music. And start with the song, Frustrated. It's the single that currently has 37 million plays on Spotify alone. Is probably, you know, whatever the top track is. And uh, from there, you'll be hooked. I guarantee it. He is such a beautiful artist and uh, he's doing something unique and beautiful. You can also check out his site, wearelamar.com. And for more thoughts and wisdom and photos and videos from R. Lamar, Follow him on Twitter and Instagram at at arlamarmusic. If you're new to Sounds Good, we would love for you to stick around. You'd also love my conversations with Joshua Dubois and Cubby Graham, both individuals who have found a way to use their skill sets and influence for good. You can find both of these episodes and more than 100 other episodes by searching for Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good Good Good. We're a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snapley and the team at CM Studio edit and mix the show. And Christy Karen Brock offers her production support. You can get lots of hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at good, Good 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 Co. I personally recommend following us on Instagram because it's my favorite place. I don't actually do the posting on our account, and so I just get to refresh my Instagram feed and see the things that Good 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 as posting, and I really, really enjoy it. So follow us on Instagram, and also issue five of our good newspaper is just around the corner. My team and I are so excited about the upcoming release in late August. We'll keep you updated on Instagram and Twitter, so definitely keep your eye out for that. But in the meantime, we've made all of our back issues of The Good Newspaper available as a bundle for $20. So that's four of our past issues for $5 each. They come all shipped to you, and they're beautiful, you guys. They each come with a poster. They are gorgeous. People will ask you the story about them when they're sitting on your coffee table. You got to check them out. Shop the good newspaper and see what else we do at good, good, good at good, good, good.co. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and do some good this week. And let's keep telling the stories that bind us together. We need each other more than ever. Sound good?